I've had an extra cup of coffee and two pieces of cake. And this thing says its battery is good for another five hours. But I have a word of encouragement for you this morning from the Lord. Welcome to 2019. This morning I want to speak of new beginnings, which is appropriate as this is our first service of the year. There is a refreshing that comes with the cycle of the years, of the seasons, the weeks, even the days. With each cycle we are presented with fresh opportunities. Good thing about cycles is they're a bit predictable. The tides, the sun came up this morning and I expect that it will go down this evening. In some ways, things are a lot the same. There's a lot of familiarity in each cycle. But also in each cycle, there is something brand new. In their own way, children are like the ultimate example of this. Each child born brings hope. Johnny Mathis wrote a song. A ray of hope flickers in the sky. A tiny star lights up way up high. Sing along if you like. All across the land dawns a brand new morn. This comes to pass when a child is born. Genesis 1.28 records the very first command that God ever gave humanity. God blessed them and He said, Be fruitful and increase in number. God didn't etch this command into stone as He did those other ten. Stone can be broken, lost, or simply ignored. God had to make sure that this one wasn't forgotten. This command was a bit different. This command carried with it a special imperative, namely, all of our hope for the future. Think about it. Every one of us has broken one or more of the Ten Commandments. So has every generation before us. So what? We're still here, aren't we? I'm not saying that all this law-breaking is a good thing. It just actually hasn't been the end of the world. The consequences, as bad as they are, have not been an extinction event for us. However, where would we be if one whole generation had said, I don't care what God said, I'm not going to be fruitful. I ain't bringing a child into this world. God wrote this where no matter how rebellious or careless we all may become, it would be, wouldn't be completely lost or ignored. Where was that? He wrote it in our hormones. Why did he make it so unlikely that a whole Nate generation would never neglect this particular command? Because for better or for worse, each new generation has an ch- opportunity to choose the values and practices that they will cling to for their life. They may choose more wisely or more foolishly, than their parents, the point is they do have a choice. The son of an atheist may embrace the love of his heavenly father. The daughter of a preacher may go off the rails. 
Until Jesus returns, our hope for a better future depends on this fact. No matter how evil or holy one generation is, the next generation can do better. Every child is born inherits this hope. But, what's in it for me? When Wendy and I got engaged, I asked her how many, uh, she asked me how many kids I wanted. And I still remember the look of relief when I said, ah, two. Like she was thinking I'd want a dozen or something. Still, we were coming up on seven years married, and we were still just dinks, you know, dual income, no kids. And Wenda hadn't brought the issue up, but I realized that I was going on 30, and if I, didn't, if I did want to raise kids, which I calculated to be a 20-year project, <laughs> I better get started soon if I'm going to get this completed before I decrepit like 50, you know? However, I had absorbed that selfish, me-first attitude from the society, and I'd heard all the negatives like sleepless nights, financial strain, having to carefully pick your moments for intimacy, along with when when it came time to leave the house, you had to pack up this jump trigger full of equipment and food and supplies. So I asked my dad for some positive. What good are kids? And from the stunned look on his face, I can only guess what he was thinking. That's the dumbest question I've ever heard. (laughs) Or, how have I failed? Actually, my dad was never able to answer that question. I was on my own. And often I do, when I'm in a quandary, I go back, hmm, what's the Bible say about this? And I remembered a Bible verse that I had read several times, Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Okay, this gave me something to start with. A heritage and a reward. What does that mean? Let's start with heritage. Children give us a chance to hand down a heritage, not just our genes, but our hopes customs, values, and maybe even a multi-generational project. Consider those cathedrals that took more than a than hundred years to build. Maybe it would be the third generation that would finally see it finished. What's your heritage? Do you have a farm or a business that you've built up over the years? Have you started out with little or nothing and worked hard to bring your kids to a better start? What about your values? Is there some cause or purpose that you would like to see advanced even after you're gone? What about your language, whether it's Tereo, Afrikaans, or English spoken as it should be? (laughs) If the next generation doesn't learn and use that language, it will disappear. Whatever it is, until you pass it on to, it isn't a heritage, until you pass it on to someone. Next, what's this thing about reward? Is this like flybys? Have three kids and get the fourth one free. (laughs) This seems to me that the Bible is promising 
that there is some sort of delightful upside for the ones that take the trouble to raise kids. Recently, I've had the opportunity to ask two sets of new parents, what were some of the good things about having a child? They mentioned the joy of watching their child develop, the delightful noise, the noises that they make, and the beautiful smiles, as well as their child's implicit love and trust. The thing about their responses that impressed me the most was that both mums said the same thing. Everything is new for them, and through them, I get to see the world with fresh eyes. Are you feeling a bit weary of the world? Just spend some time with an infant that's fascinated by a bug. Or a dot on the carpet, it doesn't matter. Play peekaboo until you're giggling as hard as they are. Or read a stupid story like the wonky donkey. You know the one where he's got three legs and one eye and likes to listen to country music, so he's a honky-tonky-winky-wonky-donkey? Hopefully, that will help you find joy in the present moment. It is so easy to get jaded and bored. The trick is to see things through a child's eyes. It's a choice you can make and see what is new in every moment. Fortunately, having children isn't the only way to get a fresh start. I mean, you can't be going to your wife every day. I'm bored, dear. Let's start another one. Here we go. So, um, yep. So, having children is not the only way for a new start. Each day is a new day. Each week is a new week. Yes, and each year starts with new years. Like this year, 2019. I got to say that a lot until I make sure I can write it. You know, I don't lapse back. So what will this year bring? We have our pastor and his family back from sabbatical. Yay! We trust that they have been refreshed and renewed. What new life will they bring? Uh, will they be injecting into our church's vision? We have the Stubb family uh, coming to join with the ministry of a church. What new ministry and outreach will they enable? And we have new babies in the family. Cool. And likely more in the way. What is the potential in each of their lives? Only God himself knows. Finally, we have each of you. What an awesome, vivacious, dynamic bunch you all are. And looking out over the lot of you, I see life. I see potential. I see great things and small things. Accomplishment, yes, and then the occasional disappointment. But everything is buzzing with the hope that comes from being a child of the living God. If you're not feeling that right now, I encourage you to extend your faith for the life Christ has for you. Take some time to remind yourself about God and about who you are as well. Here's some extracts from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. 14, The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. 17, I will not die 
<laughs> Hallelujah. But live and declare the works of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I am so thankful that the Lord is good. If He was bad, how horrible would that be? We would be helpless to change that. But He is good. And we can't do anything to change that either. Praise God. And I'm reminded of scriptures such as Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God did something drastic. This was written after God's people had ignored and disobeyed Him for generations, over hundreds of years. And yes, He was angry, but in His mercy, He finally got their attention at last by allowing the Babylonians to drag them all away into captivity. But even as that happened, He sent this word after them through His prophet Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God's mercy endures forever. From time to time, the Lord has had to get my attention. And those occasions were not fun. But my testimony is that each, in each case, it was the kindest thing He could have done. God's mercy endures forever. Is God trying to get your attention today? For mercy's sake, stop trying to ignore Him. There ain't no place to run. There ain't no place to hide. Just ask Jonah. Rather call on Him and He will listen. Seek Him with all your heart and be found. Verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. You don't have to do this life on your own, in your own strength. And I'm not asking you to just pull yourself together, pick yourself up, whistle some sort of a happy tune. But you've got God in your side. And by His Spirit, you have every resource available that you need. Isaiah 40. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord... Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Are you running on empty? Have you given all that you have to give? Good. Now you're ready to get quiet and wait on God. Read some encouraging scripture like Psalm 118. Put on some worship music. Whatever it takes to let God's Holy Spirit refresh you. Remember that it is in His strength that you run. It's His song that gives you joy. Remember that He has saved you. And even when you are at your worst. And as you go along, if you happen to see one, a young one perhaps, who's fallen by the wayside, please reach out and give them some encouragement as well. Verse 17, I 
shall not die, but live. Kamate, kamate. No. Kora, kora. The scripture says, I shall not die, but live. And declare the works of the Lord. This is an act of will, a choice only you can make. When I first came to Wainui four years ago, I was not the vibrant, impassioned man you see today. I was broken. I had been angry for ten years and hadn't acknowledged it. I'd let resentment and its symptoms rob me of a quality relationship with my wife, my family, and with God. But when I first stepped out on Wainui Beach, I felt my father's love and kindness. And I saw a place where I could be healed. It took the form of running on the beach. And when I say run, I mean shuffle. It must have been amusing to those more able. Now all the fast, at first all I could do was hurry for a few meters and then walk. If I was going any slower, I'd be doing the moonwalk. But as I did, I opened my heart to God and told Him everything. You know what? He wasn't shocked. I told him that I opened the depth of my heart and he wasn't astonished. But rather, he reached in and found those things I was most ashamed of and swept them clean and gave me a new chance. Over the next few months, I was healed in my heart, in my spirit, and even in my body. Gradually, I extended the distance I could run until at the end, I could go the whole length of the beach without having to walk. But at the core of this, each time I went out, there was a deliberate choice. It was an act of defiance. I will not die, but live. I'm not giving in. I'm not going to just lay down and die. God is not finished with me, and I am not finished with Him. And as Moses in Deuteronomy challenged the Israelites, I challenge you this morning, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witness. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Notice that it's not just about you. Choose life that you and your children may live. This is the day. Verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So when should we start? How about today? Today is the only day we have. Our choices and actions today set up the joy and or regrets of tomorrow. This is a day. This is God's gift to you. This is God's gift to us. This is our day for joy and gladness. And it will never come again. So what is your fresh start? 
Is it a new position worn? Is it a new town, a new country? Are you just back from vacation? Are you looking forward to a new year, a new season? At the very least, can you acknowledge that today is a new day? Lift your hope once again. Be refreshed. Be confident that things will be different this time. Also be assured one thing is constant. Jesus, who has seen you through so far, still remains and will remain until the end. Have you come here today? Worry, weary or worried? Have you lost hope that your situation can ever improve? Are you saying to yourself, here we go again. Everything will be the same or worse. Time without end. Listen. Today and tomorrow are new days. And we serve a risen Savior. That very same power that stirred His body back to life even after three days in the grave is available to you right where you are. Yes, what has gone before will influence what is possible today. But your future has not yet been written. Decisions and actions that you make right now and in the coming days will be what decides your future. Remember each day to choose more wisely than you did the day before. I began by saying that each generation has an opportunity to make a new choice. But it's also true that each of us has an opportunity in every moment to make a new choice, a better choice. So I invite you to these tables of communion. Everyone who trusts in Jesus is welcome here. We have bread which reminds us of His body, which was broken for us so that we can be whole. We have juice which reminds us of His blood, which was shed for us to forgive us our sins and break its power over us. And as you eat this bread, trust that Jesus will address whatever need you may have in your physical body. Jesus is so present here. And as you drink from one of these cups, repent of your sin and be released from its power to rule your future. If you do this with sincerity, we have the promise of Scripture, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And this is the promise that we can walk in every day. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen.